Hey guys, uh, the show notes for this week's episode are hoosteen.net slash TDA slash 11. Let's start the show. This is The Definite Article, a show about creativity yesterday, tomorrow, and today. I cannot terminate myself. Hi there, guys. This is the definite article that you're listening to. It is a podcast about creativity yesterday, tomorrow, and today. And as always, I'm here in Houston, Texas, and I'm joined by my friend Justin Jacoby Smith. What's up, Brad? Up in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and we've already established this is going to be a disaster of an episode. You got to start somewhere, even if it's. Nowhere. It's, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with standing in the same place you're in. <laughs> yep. That's that's from uh, from the Dao the Dao De Jing. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's not quite. That's not quite how it goes. Okay. Not to take your word for that. No, please don't. That's I'm misquoting. <laughs> okay. I won't take your word for it at all then. Ah. Uh, how you doing, Justin? Oh man, I'm I'm good. I mean, there's lots of things happening on on my end uh, this week, uh, so I'm feeling a little bit a uh, little frazzled because there's so many darn things happening. Um, but there's good, you know, lots of exciting things that I'm kind of looking forward to. It's just uh, yeah. there's there's a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of running around with my with my hands up in the air, like I look in that uh, in that picture on the iTunes. Right. Yeah. That's okay though. It's it's uh. It's a really exhilarating way to live your life. <laughs> just running around with your with hands, your hands with your hands in the running air. Running around like I just don't care. Is that the? Is my, mm-hmm. If I, I'm because I'm not supposed to care, right? If I care, that's I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, we well, mm-hmm. so, uh, so let me. Can I? Can I tell you what's going on this week, man? There's so much because I ah. Uh, can I can I tell you? Is it? Do we have? You can tell can me. We, uh, can we, I think we have time, <laughs> considering we've just started this episode. Oh yeah, we do. look at that. Look at all that time we have. Okay, we're all right. Um, man, yeah. So like tomorrow, um, here at my house, there's a there's a big old event. Uh, we're we're hosting uh the Agora Partnership. Uh, they're doing a they're doing a big thing for entrepreneurs down in uh, Latin America, South America, Mexico, that kind of area there, Guatemala, um, and uh, so it's, it's sort of a crowdfunding fundraiser party. Um, all the money for the event is going towards people that are trying to fund uh, sort of entrepreneurial projects down in Latin America. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool. So that's that's going on, but I'm not even gonna, I can't even go to that. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I uh, uh, there's some some music that I'm uh, that I'm mixing together uh, under my my DJ Houston moniker um, that's gonna play tomorrow night. But I won't even be here. Um, I'm actually gonna be at the Activist Awards across town, uh, where we're gonna be uh, myself and Mariah Blank and Amanda Bleep and a few other folks are gonna be uh, scooping up. A, an activist award from the Washington Peace Center, which I think is pretty cool, um, for that other audio-related programming that I do. Um, 
So yeah, so I'm pretty. I'm excited about that. It's a shame that I can't come to the uh, to the crowdfunding party tomorrow night. But it's but I'm pretty can't even go to your own party. Yeah, but I'm there in speakers, you know. That's pretty dang impressive, though, man. Uh, I think you should put a link to your other audio related project in the show yeah. notes. Is what I think. I think okay, I can do that. I'll put a. And I'll put it, and I'll I'll drop in a you know so that people could see this is the Washington Peace Center. Their uh, organization's been around for a real long time. And I'll tell, tell you what's cool is that like they hand out these awards you know once a year to a small group of people, and we're in pretty good company. Um, you know it's it's uh, it's kind of an honor that they think that we're doing something on the level of uh, of kind of community engagement that some of these other people they're awarding. Uh, are you know people like the DC Trans Coalition's on there? Like last year, Jeff Light, who's a big civil uh, civil liberties lawyer, was was one of their honorees. Uh, so it's a pretty you know it's a pretty pretty serious list of serious folks. So it's um, you know I don't know how how anything I did wound up on the list, but um, but it's pretty cool, um, unexpected you know. So I'm, I'm I'm excited about it, and um, it's pretty cool that something that I've kind of been doing for fun on the side for a couple of years is getting recognized for. Uh, for having, you know, made an impact. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really be too surprised by this. I feel like you've always been involved in a hundred other community sorts of projects, only some of which I'm even aware of, uh, that, that are usually activist-related and usually incredibly helpful to a large amount of people. Well, I, I don't know about that, but, but I would like to think so. I'd like to think that I, you know that the stuff I do, you know, helps people from time to time. Um, you know, and it's, it's, the, I, I will say, and, and maybe, and, uh, you know, for, forgive me for, uh, I guess maybe this will, this actually loops in nicely with, I wanted to do a little bit of follow up from, uh, from last week. Um, you may right. recall my, my, I think three and a half minute, uh, tortured bowling metaphor. <laughs> I do remember um, it. Where I was, uh, I somehow got lost down a rabbit hole of, uh, of imagery about bumpers and, uh, you know, steel bumpers and soft bumpers and whether or not you were bouncing around in a useful direction. Um, and I kind of lost the plot three minutes into my metaphor, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, I suppose happens from time to time uh, when you spend four minutes talking about bowling and forget where you started. Um, as you know, I'm not a bowler. But um, the what I was trying to get at, I you know, I listened back to the thing and I sort of, I sort of, accidentally understood my own point um and so i listened back to the thing and um and i recognized that what i was trying to get at and hopefully maybe somebody understood but if they didn't maybe i can say it differently now is that you shouldn't be working and doing what you do in order to get the feedback the feedback shouldn't be your motivator you know the the feedback can be helpful sometimes the feedback can be good or you know, can be useful. Sometimes it can be negative and less useful. But the point is that if you're doing it for the feedback, then like you're missing the point. You don't need to be throwing the ball at the bumpers in order to score points. You need to be throwing the ball down the middle of the lane. Um, you know, and if you're aiming for the bumpers, then you're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't be trying to get feedback as your goal. You shouldn't be trying to get recognized as your goal. If that's what your goal is, then maybe you're not really doing something that you say you love anymore. You're just doing something to get uh, a pat on the back and a thumbs up from a crowd, you know, or a, or a click of the like button or a retweet or a favorite, um, you know, and and so so all that having been said, you know, I mean, it's, 
it's it is still very gratifying to be recognized for the for Voices of the Night and I present the other show because um, because we were never doing it for recognition. It came as such a big surprise because we were just doing what we did day in and day out and week after week. And sometimes it was exhausting and it wasn't fun every day, but we kept doing it because we believed in what we were doing. We really believed that it matters, you know. And um, and so the fact that somebody else, you know, that the board of directors of the Washington Peace Center recognized that we were doing something that we believed in uh, and that they thought we were actually making an impact was was pretty cool. And it just sort of validates for me, I think, that you shouldn't be chasing feedback. You should be trying to go down the middle and do what you do and get the feedback when it helps. But uh, but you shouldn't be shooting for the bumpers. You should be shooting for the pins. Hmm. I feel like that was uh, thousands of degrees clearer than the metaphor that you used to try to make it clearer <laughs> last week. Well, well, now that I have an example, I can lean on that. Examples always help. That yeah. helps. Yeah, that certainly helps. But yeah, um, this, this ties in quite nicely with what we're at least supposedly trying to talk about this episode. Um, which I feel like you're going to have a lot of personal anecdotes anecdotes about, um, because we're going to talk about uh, community organizations and new institutions, and as long as I've known you, you've been involved in many of those, and uh, have started quite a few, uh, if I remember correctly. And I kind of got this idea when you sent me this article, this this Jin Lo story or article i don't even know what to what to call it right this um, is the thing that was on uh let's see here it is uh it's, it's actually on editorially which i thought was cool because that's what we use to put together show notes yeah i didn't know that they had blogs yeah they have like a like a publishing platform um you know and there's different ones for different uh you know for different kind of areas of interest and this one the, the gen low thing comes out of uh uh, which called STET, which is their what they call journal on culture and technology. So there's some pretty good stuff in here. Yeah, I like it a lot. There's there is something there is a short story also by Robin Sloan in there that I'm gonna have to find and put in the show notes again because it was pretty great. Um, but in in the story, Jin Lo is talking about this artist's school that she helped to build help to create in New York. It's called the School for Poetic Computation. Uh, and as you might be able to gather from the title, it's a pretty unique little place. And I certainly couldn't tell you what it looks like or uh, everything they do on a day-to-day basis, but the mission statement and what they're trying to do and how much effort people are putting into it is pretty inspiring and the description that she gives of it in this article uh pretty instantly grabbed my attention well and i gotta i gotta you know uh, i'm sitting here looking at the article and i actually hadn't realized even when i until just now when you said this i hadn't realized that this was a, a school that she had actually started i didn't realize this was a real thing 
um yeah I just went all, i just clicked on that link at the end and now i see that that first link well, well no i went to the one at the end that says it <laughs> did you see that where it's mm. where it says, that it says mm. have it and and it is a link to the school for poetic computation i i thought this was just sort of a thought experiment where she was thinking out loud about how to how to do something like this but the fact that she's actually done it is pretty cool nope real thing Pretty cool, real well, yeah, thing. Tell, 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 people, tell, tell the people what it is. Well, their motto is more poetry, less demo, which I think is pretty good. And uh, as far as a kind of community-created school, it's you know obviously not an accredited, accredited institution, um, but it's a group of people that came together around a common goal or a common idea that there was some need that uh, was not being met that they that they would like to try to meet and brought together, you know, each of their groups of skills and each of their resources and each of their um, sets of abilities and started to make this school that it looks like they have lessons, they have a 10-week program, that's they call a hybrid of residency and research group that helps to that helps the people who take part to um, to create their own software to create their own art to create their own mix of the two things and I don't know some of the, some of the people taking part of it taking part in it look uh, look pretty interesting. Um, yeah, they've got a pretty uh, a pretty good list of of, uh, of heavy hitters here. That uh, um, you know they've taught at some pretty serious institutions already. Just kind of you know in terms of their CV, their resume, you know they've already taught at some some kind of heavy hitting places, and they've, they've written and done workshops to some heavy hitting places. So I thought it was interesting that these people that are pretty well versed, obviously, in sort of how to get around within these large organizations, uh, decided to go ahead and do their own thing. Yeah, and I think it's it's because I mean, like I said, you know, people people come together in institutions like this because they perceive that pre-existing institutions or services aren't aren't fulfilling whatever need that is, and think that they can do it better themselves. Um, which I think brings in the big theme that a lot of people find in kind of small community groups of empowerment, uh, because it's it's literally the entire power of the group is coming from the members of the group and not from any external authority or external figure. And sometimes I think that's what makes these groups the most powerful and the most trustworthy to the people that uh, participate in them. Right. I mean, I I think that, you know, I, I'm thinking here about... So, you, you know, you know Max, you remember Max well. Um, mm-hmm. And which, by the way, Max is Max is coming to visit me in a few weeks, which I'm excited about. Uh, he has not. Uh, Max is a guy that, for for your mom who's listening. Um, Max is a guy who I have previously uh, been a part of what I thought was a pretty cool organization with uh, something that we that we called the Parlay. Uh, I've written a couple of blog posts about uh, the things that we did and the things that I learned, kind of from the experience of of working with him. Um, kind of through that that group of people that we helped put together under the banner of the parlay. And I remember very distinctly 
one of the thing, one of the first things that he said to me, like probably the this, this second or third night that we were hanging out, um, one of the things that he said to me, you know, I asked him what made him want to start the parlay because this was something that that he had started before I ever showed showed up in town. Um, and you know, I sort of became a bigger part of it later on. And I asked him, "What what made you want to start this? You know, what he called the cultural accelerator, where the idea was that we were supposed to use the connections that we had within the community to kind of make cool art and cool tech related things and cool, um, co- cool sort of interactions between those things happen." And I asked him, "Where did you get the idea for this? What made you want to do it?" And he said, "Well, I came here to DC and I to DC and I looked around." And I saw that there wasn't anything like what I wanted to exist here. He said. I, he, he said he looked. He looked around and didn't see anything that was um, that met the needs that he had for himself. It, there was nobody doing the kinds of things that he wanted to do that were fun for him. And he said. He, he said I saw there was nobody doing it. I figured I might as well do it myself. And as obvious as that sounds, that it like. To hear someone say that and then see that they were already not only that they had done it but that, that they were doing it, you know, like it's it, it mm-hmm. it's it's one thing to hear somebody like Steve Jobs say, "Oh well, nobody was doing it, so I did it." Because you can say that when you're 55 and you've got a gray beard and and you've you know and you're already successful because from there it looks easy, right? I mean, from there it looks like oh they have the magic dust and they can make it happen. But to hear somebody like Max say it, who not only you know, had been successful already, but clearly was still in the midst of doing it and, you know, and expanding and doing more things. Um, to hear someone like him say that really sort of opened my eyes and made me be like, wow, you really can do something that nobody's done before. You know, all you have to do is ask ask the right people. All you have, you know, if you want somebody to come speak at your event, all you have to do is ask them. That had somehow never occurred to me before. You know, sure. If you want, if if you want to hold an event at an art gallery, all you have to do is ask the gallery owner, "Hey, what do you think about this thing that we want to do?" You know, and um, and as like I said, as obvious as that sounds, the the confidence that he had, um, and the the sense of uh, the sense of self possession that he had, where he so clearly there was never any doubt in his mind that we could do these things. You know, mm-hmm. um. That, I think, taught me a lot about, uh, you know, it's like you said, empowerment, right? Because when you start to see what can be done and what kind of role you can play and how big of a role you can play and how much you can help get accomplished, you know, uh, then I think that really can change your perception of what you're capable of. And that can really change your perception of, um, of the sort of things that you can be a part of and that you can make happen, um, so I, I, you know, and I even learned, you know, there were, there were times when he would say things that I thought were, were off the wall that I thought were completely implausible and it would freak me out because I would suddenly find out, wait a minute, he's committed us to doing this thing that's completely nuts in four weeks. You know, he, he, he's all of, you know, I, I came home one day, like he sent me a text message. What do you think about this idea for an event? I said, that's a cool idea. We should try to put together a plan for that. And by the time I got home, he had already sent out an email to something like a hundred people announcing that this was happening (laughs) Um, and, um, and inviting people to take part. And I, and I freaked out because I was like, oh my God, there's all these people now are 
of the understanding that we're going to make this thing happen. And I don't know the first thing about doing something like this, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I thought he was crazy. I didn't think there was any way we could make it happen. But we did because he had the presence of mind to know who to ask for help and figure out how to put together the pieces we needed to put together. Um, you know, and he was self-possessed enough to know that he was capable of it and to know that we were capable of it. And and when we pulled that off, when we pulled off that first event and we got press in the Washington City paper and we got um, we got people that I respected to come speak at our event, this little, this little you know, r- rinky-dinky thing or so I thought, you know, in, in the top floor of this bar, we got people that I respected to come and talk at this thing. And I thought, wow, like, we're, we can, like, we can do this? With with like with four weeks of advance notice and 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 not a whole lot of understanding of what the hell we're doing, you know, um, sure. And it it made me realize, you know, how many other people are holding themselves back because they don't know that they do have that capability because because they don't know that you can't just get up and build something that doesn't exist if you want to. Right. Yeah. Um, overlooking. Uh, what I think is potentially your tendency to overplan things, which we can talk about later. Um, as if I prepare. Uh, right, as if. <laughs> can you wave your index cards? Yeah. Wow, it's a hurricane of a breeze. It's a, <laughs> it's a lot of cards. It is. But uh, first of all, to be <laughs> to be clear, we we probably should have. Uh, started with this. The kind of institutions that I guess we're talking about here are things like, um, I mean, what what we opened with the School for Poetic Computation, kind of informal schools or groups like the Parlay or hacker spaces or community gardens or community studios or community venues or anything that's collaboratively run uh, or owned and operated in some non-hierarchical or non-traditional way uh, because uh, I think I think yeah both Justin and I both Justin and I have a penchant for winding up in at least slightly anarchist or non-hierarchical institutions um, and Prince joke it is what was that <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was making a Prince joke it's okay we'll come back to that Let's get just leaving leaving a spacer for that prince mm-hmm. joke. Okay, you can add that in later. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it is it is so frequently just you know when Max came into DC and said I want this thing to be here that is that is not here. It really does just take this one guy making this one step, but so many people don't realize that that uh, the group or resource or or organization that they wish existed is just, you know, the, the that one that one step away, um, because it turns out that there are very few people who have hobbies or interests or desires that uh, nobody else in the world can relate to. So sometimes it just takes making that thing public and making that thing known and gathering some kind of support group around yourself to actually create that group and realize that, oh, I'm, I'm not alone in this, and I could actually form a group out of this. Well, and not, not only that, but I, I think that a part, of, a part of this, a part of what I 
was part of what I came to appreciate about Max's approach eventually, once I had enough distance to sort of recognize exactly what it was that was happening around us. Um, I, I, oh, here, here's that blog post I wrote about the event that he planned in four weeks um, <laughs> and thinking that it was going to be a disaster. I'll put that in the show notes too. Um, but one of the things that I learned from that is that we were able to create environments that allowed not only us, but everyone around us to, to be more, to, to be more creative, you know, to, to be, and maybe, you know, it's not like a sliding scale. You're not more or less creative, I guess, but you know, that we were able to create environments where people were able to, uh, to engage creatively and do new things that they hadn't done before, you know? And I, and I think that's, that part of that, that plays into this stuff is, is, you know, you're building these environments that are going to allow you to do better work. You know, you're, you're building environments that are going to have people that support the kind of work that you do. And you're, you're surrounding yourself with the sort of, the sort of totems and the sort of, uh, the sort of infrastructure. I say this a lot, right? But the sort of infrastructure, uh, that you need in order to be consistent in doing good creative work. When you surround yourself with creative, it's like the Medici effect, right? You know, you surround yourself with creative people and you're going to find yourself, I think, becoming more capable of doing the creative work that you try to do, whether, uh, whatever kind of, uh, whatever kind of medium that you work in. I- sure. Yeah. I think that, I mean, at the core of it, any group is just its members and the people in it. And I think that at the very base of it, just surrounding yourself with people who are pleasant or creative or just happen to be your friends or people that don't suck can really help you do whatever work it is that you're trying to do. And that that can be an organization, just a group of people that don't suck that you decide to work with on whatever thing. A group of people that don't suck. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that can be people that uh, I'm just writing. I'm writing it down. We should make that club. <laughs> yeah, a, a group of people that don't suck. Dot biz. Dot biz. Yeah. I was thinking more like treehouse style, but it could dot, also be a website. Dot treehouse. Is that a? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know you could get that. <laughs> is, is, that a, is that a new one? I, I, I you may. I mean, you're. You're the one hanging out. It's a small country. You're the one hanging out in all the hacker spaces. I, I figure you know you're up on these things. It's a, it's a small, uh, <laughs> small matriarchal country. In a tree. In a tree. <laughs> um, I. Yep. That that can be our secret layer. The is the, the matriarchal treehouse. The small country of the matriarchal treehouse. Right. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, so, hey, hey, speaking of hackerspaces, um, mm-hmm. I was looking at this, this link that you sent over, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Houston hackerspace that's doing their, uh, I guess their, their set of fall workshops right now, or I guess for yeah. another few days. Some, yeah, something like that. Whoa. It's almost, what day is it? <laughs> it's, uh, well, t- we can't say what day it is cause it'll, it'll, date the show this is true is that not <laughs> I, I I don't thing? know it really matters is that a faux pas podcasting it's, faux pas it's, it's, it's what, what, what they call a fox pass 
Gotcha. Is it okay to wear black to a wedding, by the way? Um, if the bride is dead. <laughs> have I crossed the line? Is that too far? Have I, have I crossed uh, what, what they call a threshold? It was so instant. It was so... He had it so quickly. Just, that's really good. <laughs> is it? I don't know that it is. I I respect you more okay. for it. So, good. that's what really matters. Yeah, TXRX Labs. Uh, link in the show notes, friends. Um, I, so, <laughs> uh, I, I must admit, I haven't actually been there yet. Um, and partially because when I first heard about it, like, three years ago or whatever, uh, the way I heard about it was, it's kind of just a bunch of sweaty dudes that don't really know how to talk to girls, like, messing with hardware and Arduino stuff. Sure. Um, sure. So I kind of said, okay, well, then I'm not exactly tempted to go check it out. Are you, are you, are you you telling me you're not into sweaty dudes that are messing with Arduino? I thought that was like, I mean, don't they have websites for that? Kind of is, kind of is my thing, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. (laughs) Just saying. As you say. That was pretty much the only kind of people I hung out with in high school. Sweaty Arduino guys. (laughs) Okay, that's a good band name. Sweaty Arduino guys. That's good. What would... Oh, they have a pancake science Sunday. I can only imagine that we talk about the science that is involved in making pancakes, <laughs> which is probably less exciting than what it actually is. Yeah, I mean, because it's... I mean, I, yeah, I forget cooking is a science, I guess. There's, like, all kinds of <laughs> chemistry involved there. Yeah, you can't get your souffle if you... Uh, don't put enough, uh... Souf. I don't know what goes in a souf plate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they put souf in it. Souf and, in it. And then they lay it. That's what you do. <laughs> um, where are we? We're in the... <laughs> I don't know. Um, on the internet. Pancakes. pancakes. Um, Arduino. Arduino pancakes. Ooh. Ar- that's, what, what would you do with an Arduino pancake? Mm, episode name. <laughs> I was just going to say, what would you do with an Arduino pancake? Mm, make, operate it to feed itself to you. That's weird. I don't know. Isn't that, isn't that a, like a law of robotics yeah. thing <laughs> that we're getting into there? <laughs> yeah. I cannot terminate myself. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, they, well, that's, that's, I would worry that it would feed that it would feed you too fast, and then you, you know that would be its way of like, oh, it wants to help you. The pancake wants to wants to give you more pancake, nourish you. What? Wants to nourish yeah, you. Wants to wants to maximize your pancake intake, and then uh, <laughs> before you know it, it's uh, violating that uh, that uh, robot shall not kill man uh, law. Is that no? That's ape shall not kill ape. That's a different thing. Um, mm. <laughs> what is, what is, is that? Is that right. Planet of the Apes? Ape shall not kill ape. What is? It's got to be what that is. Ape shall not. That's, that's got to be ape. It's probably where they got the robotics. Um, ape sh- ape shall never kill. Yeah, Planet of the Apes. Ape shall never kill ape is what it is. <laughs> okay. Just for just for your notes. Good. I'll, I'll put that right here. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that the good? Um, it's a good note-taking method you have there. Is that, did you did you did you read read about that in a life hacker blog post? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's what we call markdown. <laughs> okay, um, okay. So I'm just writing down self-feeding pancake. It doesn't sound like markdown. No, well, it's not. It's not loud enough. I gotta. Mm-hmm. There you go. I got man. I got I got feedback on that one. I got noises. I don't know what happened. I got I got I got full screened. I lost you. I don't know where you are. <laughs> but Mark, Mark, you're not doing it right, man. Mark Dan will do that to you. You'll yeah, go, you'll go full full screen. Oh, there, there you are. I see your picture now. Okay, that's really important. I guess. <laughs> did, what did you, what did you say? My picture looked like earlier. You said I look like a. Uh, an ice fisher, ice fisherman. Ice fisherman. I I shaved I shaved yeah. today for the activist awards so that I look. So oh, I, good for I you. Look slightly slightly less like an ice fisherman now. I I, yep. I look like a. I'm just I'm looking at this picture. I look like not just an ice fisherman, but like a, a slightly a slightly perturbed ice fisherman. As a, yeah, as a, like, I'm looking into the abyss of the ice, and I do, and the the fish is also gazed into me, and I'm not enjoying it. I thought you looked like an ice fisherman that just got a Twitter notification. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, you know, I've been in this house now um, for, I guess, about a month. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this, this site you linked me to for Benton House, and it's, it sounds... It looks pretty yeah, similar, I mean, huh? Just a little bit. Um, I, I like some of this language here. I might, I might, have, to, might have to contact them about, about borrowing it. Um, there you go. or something because yeah there's some good there's some good uh, Benton House is a neighborhood social service agency uh, continuing the heritage of the settlement house movement to enrich the quality of life of the residents and the neighbor yeah this is good stuff I'm gonna have I'm gonna yeah. have to have to be like hey this is pretty good yeah they're really cool people this is a group in Chicago that I very I <laughs> almost was was actually involved with and then suddenly was driving back to Texas. Uh, so that, that stopped that. But um, they do a lot of a lot of fundraising and um, social and cultural events in the neighborhood. And they'll do like a, a summer fest and over the summer they had a they also had a uh, an art bowl. I think that that's one of those things where you uh, get the bowl of soup and the and money goes to uh, something. Uh, yeah, this was a fundraiser for the Benton mm. House. Um, and, uh, yeah, super interesting group. They, uh, do a lot with some elementary school in Chicago that's, that's nearby, and I don't remember the name of it. Um, but they do a lot of kind of sports and recreational stuff with them as well. Uh, and community garden and things like that. Um, and it, it really is just a bunch of people. It um, kind of kind of like the house that you're in is just a group of people living in this house together that has you know pretty notoriously uh, not notoriously that's not the adjective I want for this <laughs> um, that uh, it's 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 this uh, old low rent house that they I think they own it and. Um, and they have pretty 
pretty, I mean, as long as I was in Chicago, certainly, but I think for many years it had been a big part of the community and a big part of um, some of the events going on in Bridgeport, which was the neighborhood I lived in there. Um, they were they were kind of behind every festival and concert and thing that went down last summer, as far as I know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I like the I like the approach that you know. I mean, this ties right into what we're talking about because they they are clearly you know they're doing that they're doing something that that is serving the community because they saw that nobody else was doing it. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. One of the unique things is that, like, they do so much, which which I always find um, uh, most impressive, and, and I'm sure it's most difficult. Is you know they're not they're not just a community garden, they're not just a community library, they're not just a, a, a recreation space or a venue, they're not just a volunteer organization. They're uh, a bit of all of those things, and and none of them are really are are people who came from. Um, from backgrounds of of any kind of management or in you know in the case of um, they, they rent out their space too none of them came from um, backgrounds certainly none of them came from real estate backgrounds or anything right. like that it's pretty much just a bunch of kids living in this house that um, have this vision of helping their community and uh, have tended to do a lot of that well, and I I think I'm looking at their events here, and they you know they've got, um, they've got different sorts of art focused. Yeah, this is cool. They've got they've got events kind of throughout the year. It looks like that um, that have different focuses, so people can kind of gather around these these annual rallying points, and um, and and they're benefiting you know not just the community but other organizations too. Um, yeah, this is de- definitely an instance where it seems like they're See, and they've got yeah they've got like a they've got how you can volunteer they've got a library they've got a food pantry they've got their backyard <clears throat> their backyard garden um computer lab yeah all kinds of cool stuff here um yeah yeah i mean this i mean this just, this speaks to you know I, I i think that when when you surround yourself with the right kind of people you know that that believe in the same sort of work you believe in that you can um that you can always make more happen than you can make happen alone. Sure. I also think that, I mean, especially in Chicago, the neighborhoods are so um, kind of separated and uh, and there's a lot of neighborhood loyalty and neighborhood um, kind of, a lot of neighborhood spirit, and Bridgeport was certainly like that. And I think that, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly how Benton House started, but I think it's pretty normal and pretty understandable for local groups to kind of band together and feel some sort of loyalty or trust for each other that doesn't really extend outside of their, just their geographical range, their neighborhood or whatever, or, or common interest or whatever. Uh, and this, this one thing that, that kind of binds them together can help form that trust and that support group and uh, can, you know, can eventually make a really good resource for the entire neighborhood or community. And there's, you know, I think that when you, when you're building a community around 
around something like this, you know, uh, or when you're working to strengthen an existing community around a new kind of institution or a new set of practices, um, you know, those practices themselves become uh, become like woven into the fabric of the community. You know, they become a part of the identity of, of the community, and uh, you know, they they become uh, the these sort of beneficial things that you initially might have been doing to be helpful sort of become an essential part of the identity of, of that place, you know, um, because they just become things that they, they become a part of the culture of the community. They become, a, they become just the way things are done there, you know? Sure. And I, I, I think that, uh, um, yeah, this is, I, I'm really, I'm really digging this Benton house. I gotta, I, like I said, I really gotta, gotta find out more about this because this is, they're touching on a lot of the same stuff that we do here at the Lamont Street Collective, but they clearly uh, have been around the block a little longer than we have, I think, in, in terms of touching on um, touching on the direction we're trying to move towards. And mm-hmm. so I think that there's a lot we can learn from this, too. So thanks thanks for sending this. This, this looks, this looks hey. cool. Yeah, of course. I can, uh, I can virtually introduce you to some of the folks that they're good folks. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so what what is kind of the direction you're trying to take your house in? Well, so, you know, this is a house that the Lamont Street Collective has been here for, has been here since 1974. Um, you know, it was founded by by a bunch of lefties in the, in the mid-70s um, to be sort of, it was started to be the headquarters of the D.C. Socialist Party. Um, and over the years, it has sort of transformed itself as the times have changed into uh, in different directions based on what the community needs at the time. Um, it's always leaned towards activism. It's always leaned towards art and creativity and the uses of creativity in the, in the, men- in the direction of activism. Um, but now what we're doing, we're trying to make a shift or a pivot into being a collective that is not just a place where a bunch of creative activists live, we're trying to turn this into a real legitimate community cooperative space where people feel that they are, are invested in what we do here because it's not just about what we do. It's about what we provide to the community. And what we provide is a, is a space that allows, that allows for, um, for people to do things like workshops, uh, you know, recently when the when the uh, when the government got shut down a little, a little while ago, uh, there was a uh, uh, there were several uh, ESL classes that had no place to go because the buildings where they did their classes were shut down, uh, and so we in, you know and they was in, they were in the neighborhood, so we invited them into the into the house and they did their classes here for a little while, um, hmm. or. Uh, you know, we regularly have uh, ha- have speakers to come in and engage the community in dialogues about different issues of the day. Uh, you know, we had Barbara Ehrenreich, who wrote Nickel and Dimed, uh, here to talk to the neighborhood sort of about the uh, sort of about changes in the neighborhood and in D.C. more broadly over the last few years and decades. And that was a really engaging dialogue because people know who she is. People know her work. You know, she's she's done some pretty well, well-known books. And. Um, and so people wanted to come out and hear her speak. And then what I thought was great was that she sort of turned it around. She turned the mic around to the audience and she was like, I want to hear what you guys have to say about these subjects, you know. And um, and that, I think, is the kind of thing we want to do more of because we want this to be a community space that builds um, that builds opportunities for people here in the neighborhood to uh, to engage 
politically and to engage creatively in the things that they think are important. You know, we, we want to be a place that serves the community, not just a place that, that exists in the community where, you know, occasionally we do some fun stuff that people want, might want to come to. I think, you know, ultimately we want to be a place that serves the community. And, uh, um, that's a hard shift to make because it's, it's not, we've never been that explicit, I don't think. Even though we've always been, in one sense or another, I think, serving the community, I think that we've never been that explicit about, you know, we are here for you and this is why we exist. And the the unique people in this house with their unique abilities and their unique connections are going to have access to um, access to certain organizations and certain abilities and certain people um, that are going to uh, enrich the community and make it a better place to live and make it a more engaged place to live, you know. Um, and so that's that's part of what part of the shift that we're trying to make. And it's I, I think it's going to be worthwhile. It's going to be it's going to be challenging, but I'm really excited about it. I think I think it's uh, you know I moved in here at just the right time. And I think it's a really exciting time to be here. Yeah, certainly, and I think that having groups like that, especially with people like you in them, is so much different and so much more beneficial in a way than, I guess, more traditional or larger institutions that do similar things, because um, as, as, as happens in our world today, I think that art forms and, and forms of media and trends and things are evolving and uh, coming into existence at such a rapid rate that it kind of takes smaller and more tuned-in institutions like the Lamont Collective to um, keep in touch with and kind of be more nimble and uh, pay attention to trends and the things that are happening on a, maybe a more local or more small level that larger groups don't really don't really ever see or or become interested in if that makes right, sense yeah i mean because i think when you get into a larger organization you know it's one of these bigger places at a certain point as much as they may be accomplishing parts of their mission and as much as that remains the focus of their messaging you know at a certain point it becomes about perpetuating the organization you know um, it becomes about meeting the needs of the organization. The organization has needs, and please help us to meet them. Um, and I think that when you're dealing with a place like us here, or a place like uh, like Benton House in Chicago, or a place like this uh, uh, this school for poetic computation, um, you know, I think when you're dealing with places like these, they're about responding to the needs of the community. Um, you know, yeah, sometimes it's it's more along the lines of the parlay where it's here's a you know, this is what I want and I don't see it. So I'm going to make it happen. But when you're really trying to build these these in, a full environment, you know, a full sort of uh, sort of institution that's going to have some roots and that are going to last when you're doing that and you're really trying to build an environment that allows people to learn in new ways and allows people to create in new ways and connect in new ways, then you're doing something that is going to be intended to serve the needs of the community. And that I think is a different piece. Sure. I also think, and this is going back in the, uh, in, in the archives, the, the vast archives that we have of this show. Um, but I have, I mean, I, I've always had this suspicion that, uh, smaller, groups and smaller institutions seem to somehow be more nimble and more effective than 
than larger institutions. What was that Economist article that we uh, pulled from oh, many episodes ago? about uh, Parkinson's Law. Yes, Parkinson's yeah. Law. Um, man, uh, that one was felt like such a vindication of all of my unfounded suspicions. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, Parkinson's Law is, is uh, th- th- for people that uh, don't remember, that's the one that says work expands to fill the time available for it. Um, it's a, you know connected to, to what I you know, the law I prefer, which is Hofstadter's Law, which is uh, everything takes longer than you would expect, even if you account for Hofstadter's Law. That's my... <laughs> Uh, that's my. I think that it touches on the same point in sort of a sort of a witty way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll put the I'll put the uh, Parkinson's Law article in the show notes here also, so people can take a look at it. There you go. I was just about to do that, but you beat me. Parkinson's Law. Good deal. Man, oh man. So, what kind of uh, governmental structures are Secret Lair going to have? Oh man, the treehouse. Yeah. Um, the well, I think you already said it was going to be matriarchal. Is that necessarily? Oh no, matrilinear is the is the descendants thing. So yeah, I guess that is a form of government. D- descendants like Milo goes to college. Mm. No, it's a different. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, tree, 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 tree houseage. There we go. Tree houseage. Tree houseage. Mm-hmm. Milo goes. Yeah, because Milo goes to college, and there's a tree house there. It's the Descendants. I I can't. I'm I'm sorry. Is I'm gonna I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna send you on Spotify. I'm gonna send you the entire catalog of the Descendants. That's what I'm gonna. Okay. Like Nine thousand albums. Good. Hang on. It's my penance for not the, knowing what something the, is. Um, yeah, I'm putting Descendants in the show notes. I'm just going to go in the thing. The Descendants, Milo goes to college. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think that we are going to have to... Uh, yeah, oh wow, Milo goes to college. Full album is 22 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a classic. Um <laughs> I feel like I already know what this is. Um, yeah, I'm putting putting the full album. Don't tell the copyright Nazis. Um, putting the full album in the show notes. Okay. Um, no. Okay, mom, mom, don't tell the copyright Nazis, no. please. <laughs> um, I don't think mom will. Okay, good. I don't think mine will either. If she's still listening, I don't know because you know that's that's the thing. We had that that long hiatus, and there's the lost episode um, that that got so so much acclaim um, from <laughs> everyone I know that's heard it. Everyone, uh, you know, were people were because that's the one where the where the treehouse began. This is but people will never know the origin of the treehouse because it's in the lost episode. Right. Have you been playing the last episode for all of your friends as a party check? Over and over again. I'm I'm playing it for myself right now on my headphones. You can't hear it. Oh, God. Sorry if I seem distracted. I'm actually listening to the last episode right now. I just remember being pretty sad when we recorded that one. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely had had uh, several uh, beverages that uh, were probably not helping me uh, stay on track. Yeah. 
probably okay. The lost episode is lost. I guess. I guess. I mean, it's. I. I think it's a classic. I look at I'm listening to it right now. I think there's some good stuff in here. We probably should continue building up its uh, reputation as a classic, mm-hmm. just for the mystery appeal. Mm-hmm. This- which is. Which is what makes for a sexy podcast. That, well, yeah, you get, if you don't have a if you don't have a sexy podcast, what do you, you, know, what do you got? Nothing. That's what you got. You have an unsexy podcast, and who, who wants, wants that? that? Who wants? It's like a treehouse without a matriarchal ruler. <laughs> Dot treehouse. Dot treehouse. Is that can we can we register that URL today? Matriarchal ruler. Dot treehouse. I don't know. I don't know that we can do that. Wow, we're look at look at that. We actually we we actually are running running out of time here. We're running we're running down the clock. Well, we're always running down the clock, Justin. Playing the Sylvia play. Oh God! I feel like you make a Sylvia Plath reference this, or joke every I time same, I talk I make to the you. Same Sylvia Plath joke every time you talk. <laughs> I don't know if that's sunk in yet. I make the same Sylvia Plastro. This is true. It just remains relevant. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's that's Yeah. Now I now well geez, now I need a drink. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. I guess it's okay though, I get some drinks in the treehouse. <laughs> Alright. Feeling good over there? Hang on, I'm just getting a drink in the treehouse. <laughs> Are you wearing clogs? <sighs> Very refreshing. <laughs> I want to know what kind of beverages they serve in a treehouse. Um, well, the bartenders have to work clogs. That's a rule. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's your rule, because it's a matriarchal. I guess I guess so. Wait, does that work even though I'm not your mom? It's a good question. I've never been in a matriarchal country before. I don't I'll know. To, I'll have to look into that. I'll go back up there and get back to you. It may be a it may, may be a long <laughs> argument, though. You know how how those arguments go. Have you heard of uh, Other World Kingdom? No. Do I <laughs> have I have I sent you this link already? No. God, it makes me so happy. Oh, okay. So I do. So this is the thing I do want to be aware of. Not a thing. <laughs> thing i don't want to be aware of i don't know i don't know i think you'd probably enjoy it too but it doesn't exist anymore it's where i got my inspiration for the treehouse here's the bloop oh look at that other world it probably won't go in the show notes but it'll at least be in your were you gonna were you about to say my little brain is that what you're gonna say your your little brain it's gonna say robot look at that I'm like I'm liking this O W K O W K, awk. Definitely awk. No doubt about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Status currently is an internet club. 
wait, wait, clump? <laughs> no, club. Currently an internet. Oh. Currently an internet club. <laughs> We're a clump on the internet. A, a clump on the internet or a clump of internet? Mm, that's a that's an ontological question. So that is. Mm-hmm. Clump. Yeah. On the internet. There is some dialectical. Um. Things. I'll have to ask uh, the anarchist formerly known as Prince about that. He's an expert <laughs> in dialectics. So you see, you see, I told you that I was going to come back with the uh, with the Prince joke. I thought I thought you were going to edit it oh, in. No. no, that was it. Well, uh, yeah, I might go back and do that, but okay, instead of just saying Prince joke. <laughs> 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 it's, no, it's convenient. We don't even we don't even need to make punchlines anymore because. We can, yeah. What was there was the, there was the throne anarchist. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, that's um, um. We're, oh, we're doing a show. Oh, we're we're still recording. Yeah. Mm. Maybe we should turn that off. I'm sure nobody's listening by now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So, n- next week, um, do you want to talk about um, the accoutrements that are going to go on the treehouse? Accoutrements? Pardon-moi. Oh, oh pa- pa- pardon-moi! <laughs> <laughs> this is offensive. <laughs> to ducks? This is... <laughs> to ducks, yes. I mean, I feel, like, I feel like all French people must have fed ducks... Because the ducks are like, how dare you imitate me? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh. This is going nowhere fast. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk more about the treehouse next week, Justin. And ducks. And ducks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.